Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Michael Wilbon, who has some great advice for marketing people, which is usually he wants them to die. And we'll also chat with Steve Sands about how the Woods boys looked at the PNC Championships. But first, let's keep the sales weasels happy. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Hey, over 50. Over 50, even though Washington doesn't score. Okay, you like that bet. Okay. Tell that little Chuck Todd, don't know this whiny little stuff on the other board. Miami can't hire a coach. It's not my fault. The only two men's eyes are trophy. What are you talking about? Thank you, James. Best to everybody at home. You bet. James Carville. Vintage. You have no idea how many words we had to bleep out of that. Not even sure what made it. You know, we just. We have it just so many words had to go in that. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. The Roy family always sends me a Christmas card. The oh, Roy yes, they family do. from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I wanted to acknowledge that they sent a Christmas card. Other people we've talked about already. We talked about Jolene and the lovely gifts from Jolene. Have you received yes. any feedback on your holiday card from this year? Um... I received one small bit of feedback, which was... Um, Positive, negative? Curious. Unhinged? No, not unhinged, but it was it was that we sent out a card with a painting that Carol did in 1995. A beautiful watercolor. Yeah. And on the back, because on the back, I forgot to include a picture of the dog. So I wrote something on the back. And the first line of it I wrote was, Carol did this painting in 1995. And Carol changed the copy to this was painted in 1995. And a dear friend of mine said, did Carol paint that? And I said, yes, she did. And he says, well, it's not acknowledged. I said, well, she said she doesn't want her name on it. But if you look at the bottom right of the card, it has. It, she signed it because she signed it in 1995. 95. That's the only thing. I haven't received anything else. I wrote, because I do this all the time, I wrote about how beautiful snow is in a painting and how much I hate it. <laughs> and the last line was, you know, 
Come shovel me out. What did you think? <laughs> it was a classic Tony rant list that it belonged more at the, uh, the, the top of the show here than it would in a holiday card. And there's something about the font color that you chose that made it look like there was a secret message where if you like underlined the third and or fifth letter at a time you got like a help me yeah it was it <laughs> from was, mom it was the wrong color i noticed that right away it was, it was da vinci code the background yeah. is sort of blue and pink and purple and the lettering is in purple and it's very hard to read and it's very small Yes, I, I understand what you're saying. But what I do like is everyone gets very similar cards. And what most of us do is you put it up on your mantle, or you put it up on a window, and you enjoy it for the holiday season. And yours stands out as a nice little art piece. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a very nice painting. You have stuff from Tamara. From, from Tamara, yes. We've got Tamara the, the toffee. Got, uh, the, big, the big cashews. Yep. Yeah. And, the, and the toffee. And the toffee. So we thank Tamara for that. Oh, Tamara, yeah. Yes. Tamara had a bad weekend because oh, on yes. Saturday, Denver lost. Yeah. And wasn't even in it. No. In Detroit. No, wasn't Detroit in it. finally sort of righted the ship there. This is the problem that I have in my life. I don't know anymore if I've read things, and I've read them out loud. Mm -hmm. This was down on the table where we do the podcast, and I looked at it. It's from Andrew Rubin. It's dated September 29th, 2023. I don't know if I read it. You know, it says, Mr. Tony, who else but an old fart like us, or me and Yubi Brown at the very least, would write a real letter? In the old days, you referred to me as Andrew in L.A., and after Stinton Sarasota had helped my dad, who introduced me to your columns, thereby enriching my life, recovered from a stroke but eventually passed away. I'm back in L.A. Long prologue, sorry. Anyway, the death of Brooks Robinson. So this is about Brooks Robinson. The best fielding third baseman I have ever seen and a big favorite of mine a few days ago reminded me of a story you might like. It explains why a New York kid was an Oriole fan. Is this... Ring a bell with anybody, or didn't I read it? I don't, I don't recall hearing it. Because Andrew before. Rubin wrote us a lot over the years. Okay. My dad's brother had a box at Yankee Stadium. I got to go to games a few times a year into a World Series game almost every year. Of course, I became a Yankee fan. My dad, who could not have cared less about baseball, still felt that a boy born in Brooklyn should not root for the Yankees. He found that the Orioles were publicly held, and he bought me shares in the team. <laughs> then he explained that I could not root for the Yankees because it would be a conflict of interest. Not being Clarence Thomas, I immediately realized that I had to change my allegiance and another Baltimore Oriole fan was created. On an unrelated point, back in late June as a reaction to chemotherapy, I joined you and Mr. Wilbon in the band of bald brothers. My locks are growing back slowly, but I've rediscovered hats, Stetson, Panama, but no baseball caps indoors. After all, I'm a certified senior, if I ever get back to playing golf. Always good to see you on PTI, one of only two shows that I record. Andrew Rubin. Los Angeles. Well, it's it's a, a lovely letter. It certainly is, yes. And, and you, I don't know if I read it, you know? That's I why you go back to the save pile. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would recall the Baltimore Orioles being a public trust or something like that. I yeah. think I would remember that. I don't think we read that before. All right, so we don't have much of an open today because I don't know anything that happened except football over the weekend. I watched a lot of football over the weekend, and I would, it seems to me, certainly willing to get feedback on this, that San Francisco and Baltimore have established themselves as the Super Bowl favorites. Yes. Right? Certainly San Francisco. And Baltimore went to Jacksonville, which was a team that two weeks ago was the number one team in the AFC and beat them and beat them easily. 27-3? Something like 23-7, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Beat them handily. San Francisco, Arizona's not a good team, but San Francisco had its way with them very yeah. easily. And the other, the only other thing that I would say is that if you had to pick a couple of teams, one from the AFC and one from the NFC, where you said, you know, they got a chance to make the playoffs, 
And if they make the playoffs, they got a chance to win a game. I would pick Buffalo and the Rams. Yeah. I mean, the Rams it's won hard the to Super put, Bowl. It's a hard to put the Bills in that category just because of the expectations going into this season. Well, but if you think the... about how they've saved their season the last four weeks and well, some of these signature haven't wins. Haven't they beaten in two weeks Kansas City and Dallas? Yes. Yeah. And that Dallas win was I a I mean, they big just win. pummeled Dallas. And that, you know, I, I mean, these are two big time wins, but they, if I'm not mistaken, Oh, they're still out. They're still out of the playoffs. And there's the tiebreak conference record situation that's not in their not favor. Not in their favor at all. No. No. But, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose uh, for I mean, the Rams, Rams. The Rams won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. The Rams still have Matthew Stafford. Yeah. You know, he's so not you, what you he have was. Cincinnati and Indianapolis who have interesting tiebreaks over Buffalo based on conference. Yeah. Conference AFC records. I mean, I don't know how much I take from the Rams win because it was over Washington and. You know, you sort of figured that they were. Well, they won win. a couple in a row. Yeah, no, they're they're, they're playing better. Washington, they Washington playing unhinged football in the first quarter, going, <laughs> going for, for it every time on fourth down, fourth and one. Well, like, let's drop time. back and like, throw. Rivera says, "Look, I'll be shipped out to Potomac Yards as well." If I don't well, he's win. he's going to be. <laughs> he yes. wishes he could get Potomac Yards. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that he's going to be fired unless something happens today, and I don't think it should. And I don't think the new owners of the Washington football team should do anything but wait until the end of the season. But yes. then I think they're going to say... Advisory role? Thanks a lot. You were here for the duration, the length of your contract, right? Four years, five years, whatever it was. It hasn't worked out. Um, we're new. We're going to bring in our own guy. I don't think anybody can get angry at this. You're not firing somebody who had a high level of achievement. He's a personable guy. He's a nice guy. And you're not going to do it in a cavalier manner, right? There's a respect that he brought to that position yeah. when the franchise was an absolute shambles. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you let him go gently and you thank him for everything and you just say, look, we are we just bought this thing for $6 billion <laughs> and we'd like to have our own people. Haven't the Rams won two in a row? Uh, let me check the Rams. What is the Rams record? The Rams, are they like eight and six at this point? The Rams are seven and seven. Seven and seven. So they're not in, uh, in the NFC, right? They're not in. No, because it's just the top six, right? No, there's seven teams, but they're... Oh, they have the tiebreak over, over New Orleans. Right, they're they at the top do, Oh, of so that, they yeah. do. But yes. yeah, but... Okay, that only matters if New Orleans doesn't win the division. If Tampa Bay wins the division, New Orleans then becomes a wild card team, and that would matter then. But if New Orleans wins the division, what is their position with Tampa Bay? You know, that's... I don't know how it works. With all of... I don't want to say the word mediocrity, but with all of the teams that are sort of in the seven and six, eight and six, six and eight, seven and seven range, you know, and all of there's so many teams in that range, and you have no idea who's in this. Tampa Bay is the Saints in the second to last game, then they're at Carolina. Well, they should, they have the Saints at home? They have the Saints at home, yeah. They'd be favored to win that. They'd certainly be favored to beat Carolina. Baker Mayfield has had. A pretty good comeback year. Yeah, he has. As has, well, this isn't a comeback year, but the, the kid who's ever the quarterback for the Bengals, because I expected them to fold. Browning. Yeah, well, Browning. not a comeback year because he never was. No, anything. yeah, but but I'm surprised because I just thought they were dead in the Me water. Me too. And they, that was a Me very too. nice one against Minnesota. Me too. We should, is Wilbon going to be on the show, right? Yes, he'll be on we next. We should talk to Wilbon because that loss by the Bears yesterday Ooh. is terrible. <laughs> That Bears to Cleveland, right? That was just terrible. The Hail Mary that almost was. Yeah, and the guy has it. He's laying down. It's in his belly. Playing hot potato. And he can't hold it. Yeah. That was just awful. Now, I guarantee you what Wilbon will say 
as well. It's good that we lost because we had higher draft pick. But there was a terrible loss. So let me get well, out of here. Well, the Panthers also won. So now they still yeah, have but, the number one pick. Yeah, they, they're not going to win again. <laughs> you hope they're not. behind. New England is, is second, right? New England is second and Arizona, I think, with both with three yeah, wins. But Carolina's only got two. We'll have Michael Wilbon when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at blue nile can help your love sparkle just choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking at Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Mike D'Antoni's minutes may Kobe's Achilles raw. Kenny Norton broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. At Lowry's Steakhouse, Big Ten teams always eat too much beef. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. The <laughs> Phillies in 64 tired out their pitching staff. Obama's jokes at Trump's expense got too much of a laugh. Overconfidence brought down Ryan Leaf. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey flew around, he got jet lagged and wired. Taylor Swift simply made him tired. The Cubs were jinxed in 69, a black hat on the field. Dizzy Dean came back too soon, his toe not fully healed. Georgetown to Villanova too lightly, that's my belief. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Brilliant, Dan Byrne. Brilliant. Taylor Swift, which Michael Wilbon refers to sometimes as that girl. Uh, Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Wilbon joins us now. And I said, as I tease this intro, that I was going to ask you, that is a terrible loss for the Bears. Terrible yesterday to let Cleveland back in the game, to let Joe Flacco do that late after he had three interceptions and should have had four. The Bears were ahead the whole game. Your thoughts on that? Uh, all I care about is that that we're still the number holding the number one pick, 
Right, Carolina and I still. I think we're holding the number eight pick with tiebreakers because, look, would it have been worth it to catch that Hail Mary pass oh. and win the game and drop, from my calculations, three spots on the draft board? And the answer is, long term, no, it isn't. That so I was not that play not, that ball's not, in his stomach. It, 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 and he's a receiver. That's in. When I talk about a lineman down there, we would be there anyway. But that, we're talking about a, the, maybe the second most sure-handed guy on the team after DJ Moore. Um, but again, and, and immediately, you know, asking the people that that I interact with, Bears people, including you know, my text chain. Who, who? What's that? Text chain. Yes. Uh, is it worth it? Do we? Are, 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 we're angry now in the moment, but by nightfall, are we going to say, "Yeah, yeah, we we don't need that"? Because I, you know, I'd like to get, uh, and, and it makes a difference if you drop in three spots. Yes. I, and, and and by the way, something else that would have been completely phony and annoying would have been to talk about the Bears making the playoffs. I mean. Don't need that. We need to re- recognize who they are, which is a, a football team in rebuild. And I'd like to have two of the top eight picks. So the only way to do that was probably to lose. A, a, a win yesterday would have changed the whole dynamic. Step back for Justin Fields yesterday, yes? Um, I, you know, not really. I thought he played, hmm. he played pretty well. Maybe he's playing the number one defense in the league. That's right. That's right. and, and, and it certainly was not a step forward. But he made some plays. The play he threw the touchdown pass on was like he's one of the few guys in the league that can do that. I mean, the movement, the buying time, throwing a dart at the end of a rod 20 yards across the field. I, you know, there's still some things that he shows you that make you say, if you, if you want to feel that way, yeah, I can work with this kid. And at times, it's maddening. I mean, he, he missed open receivers. He just didn't see. I don't mean miss as in miss with throws. I mean, just didn't see him. And you can see him on television. And he holds the ball too long and takes sacks. And, you know, there's still things, Tony. It's very, I have very mixed feelings about what we should do with Justin Fields. Terrible loss for Tennessee to Houston as well. Tennessee up the whole game. Houston comes back. They don't have Stroud. They got other you know, people. They don't have what happened to Stroud? I just noticed I didn't have the sound Stroud concussion game. last year, last week. Concussion okay. protocol. Yeah. So he didn't play at all yesterday. No, did not play at all. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know that it's a terrible loss. Tennessee's not any good. No, but I mean, it's it's just a heartbreaking, you know, I mean, you're supposed to win that game. You're at home. You're supposed to win that game. Maybe. They you're ahead the, the whole game. uniforms on. Yeah. You know, they had the nice unis. I mean, Houston's a better team. Houston's a better team. They are. And so I didn't, you know, I wasn't locked in on that game. I mean, I was seeing it. But I, I don't think anybody suffered the kind of loss. The Bears suffered the kind of loss if you're not. Yeah, it's a bad You're just loss. looking at it as a football fan. You go, oh, my God, they lost that game like that. And, again, you know, nobody listening to this show is, is as invested in the Bears as I am for 60 years, and I think it's probably the right way to go. Here's what I learned yesterday. It confirmed, because I was a little bit tired of people telling me, oh, no, no, they're getting better. 
The Jets and the Giants stink. Yeah, wow. They, they, they stink. stink. Right? Yeah, they yeah. yeah. They have no offense. Yeah. What well, don't t- Tommy DeVito, it's a great story, but let's it's not nice get nuts story. here. Slow, you know, slow slow down with that. Enough of that. I told you that last week about Tommy DeVito. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's it's fine. There's a reason people are third string quarterbacks. Yes. And a couple of teams got healthy. Now, you know, they didn't beat they didn't beat big opponents. Miami and Kansas City, they did not beat big opponents, but they no. I was very surprised at this. I'm watching Red Zone and Kansas City, you know, it just kneels down even though there's time left for the other team. And somebody was who was talking about it said, I can't believe they're kneeling down. I can't believe they're gonna give, you know, the other team a chance. They're gonna give New England what are you talking about? A chance at there's what? twelve seconds to go in the game. You don't wanna rub it in. Yeah, if you're Andy Reid, you do not rub it in to, to Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick, right? No, you don't. Any question of that is stupid. I don't have time for stupidity like that. I turn people off like that. I will tell you a question I did have. What the hell was Dak Prescott doing in the Why game? Why was he now? still in the game? In the, 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 so we can get his MVP numbers? 31-3. I, I, I am exactly like you. Thir- I wrote this note. 31-3, four minutes to go. Why is he in the game? Why is Brock Purdy in the game? Why? Well, I, I wasn't paying attention to Brock Purdy in that game, but I knew that, that, that Dak Prescott, I was paying close attention to that game, was still in because, because um, Josh Allen was not. Right. They took Josh Allen out of the game. Right. And, and Dak is still, you know, I hate the Cowboys. I really do. I don't want, I'm not going full Stephen A, but I, I just hate them and I want them to lose. Um, (laughs) If I was looking at long shots, I mentioned this in the open, teams that are not in the playoffs now, they're not in, but teams that if they got in, I think could win a game, I think I'm looking at the Bills and the Rams. Who are you looking at? Maybe. I mean, they're good enough. People projected them both to make the playoffs. So then I get any – I don't agree with this whole thinking and storyline of, you know, well, you know, if you're a two-seed, you're really afraid of the Bills. I mean, the Bills – there's a reason the Bills lost all these damn games. They turned the ball over. And, you know, the Rams, they look better. They look okay. You know, they're not formidable. They no. look okay. No, they're not they formidable. They look like a team you can take their lunch money in the first round of the playoffs. That's what both of them look like to me. Well, I think that I'm, I'm impressed by the last two games with the Bills. Now, yes, they got lucky they beating they Kansas beat, City. They beat two opponents. They but got they, themselves together. Yeah, they pounded Dallas. See, this is the thing about Dallas. I'm sorry, you you cannot take them seriously when they're a road team. They get pummeled. They just get pummeled yeah, on the road. I, I thought yesterday was a ro- was a schedule loss for them, just like the Eagles had a schedule loss last week in and Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna. Everybody's gonna go crazy all day. I'm sure all the shows, all they're doing is talking about Dallas and. You know, and they're going wild, and it's overly dramatic, and the talk is wildly just overstated. Um, Dallas was going to lose yesterday. There was zero chance Dallas had to win that game. And so I don't know if there's any more of that down the pike. Somebody's got a couple of tough games. Is it Miami? Miami's got some tough ones. Baltimore has some tough ones. But Baltimore and San yeah. Francisco look like the Super Bowl favorites now, don't they? They do. Uh, right now. Yeah. And then, and then until they lose, because they're supposed to. There's some losses coming up for each one of those teams. Well, that, they play each other this Sunday. Well, okay, well, you know, then people are going to go crazy if they don't tie. 
<laughs> they, you know, the, the, the overstatement of the NFL now, for me, it, it leads me, look, I watch more games than anybody, and I have since the satellite dish. Since 1994, nobody who doesn't get paid to do it, meaning a scout, watches more NFL games than me. But the experience is becoming like I'm annoyed by just the overstatement that accompanies every snap of the ball in every NFL game. No one has any perspective on anything, and it just ticks me off. Where will you be, by the way, Christmas Day? Where will you be? I'll be in the studio. Los Angeles? Yes, I'll be in the Los Angeles studio uh, for 13 hours of time um, with NBA games, 13 hours. That's a That's lot. How many uh, games? Five? Not every year. Are there five? There's five games, and there's a million sports center segments, and there's multiple pregame shows, multiple postgame shows, multiple halftime shows, five. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I've been for most of the last X number of years. I don't know how many years. I didn't know so, if it yeah. was L.A. or if it was New York. I mean, I, you know. No, L- L- it's, it's L.A. Do they have catering? Um, Do you have catering? Of course. Okay. I just want to make sure there's catering there. More importantly for me than catering is Kevin Johnson's fixing, which is just down the stairway, uh-huh. uh, down the escalator, down the elevator. Kevin Johnson and his wife, Michelle, who, of course, everybody in Washington knows, um, they have a restaurant called named Fixins, and it's soul food at its best. And I am probably not supposed to have all the things I want. Yeah, have. I can't. Yeah, this can't be. And I go. I run down there on a break, and all I've got is like twenty minutes. And Kevin Johnson has a manager say, "Come in. Here's a room. Nobody's going to bother you. The games are on, and it's just great. It's just Nirvana for like a half an hour." Right. And Kevin and Michelle, they work so much that, you, you know, there are times where I just miss them or see them in the restaurant. And so, I don't know, it's Christmas Day. You know, I hope they're, you know, I hope they're open but taking the day off because that's what I would like to do. That's my, that's my, that's my you know, connection with Christmas is like a, a manufactured dinner of theirs with great food and service. But yes, L.A. for 13 hours. People need to understand this, and they're not going to really understand this, that when you have a career as a sports writer, you work holidays, every holiday, because the best games are on the holidays. That's right. there's There's nothing in my memory that I didn't work Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter. No, you work. That's... That's your yeah. life. Not only that, yeah. you enjoy it. You, 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 I do, Tony. I will say this. Um, and I've worked, you know, this is year 43 for me. I probably have worked with the Washington Post or ESPN slash ABC, I don't know, 30 Christmas days. Yeah, you work. And so the last few, they, they get hard. I, 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 I never saw Matthew on Christmas Day. Never saw my son on Christmas Day until he was seven. N- didn't even see him. Yeah, but it's but but you saw it, great games and you were I pursuing did, pursuing did. a profession that you loved. Yes, and I and would I have traded it? Never, I, you know, never. But I will say this: the the, the, the person you know, you, you know, we both have long and varied degrees of relationships with Magic Johnson over decades. And Magic, I've worked many of those Christmas days with, 
And, you know, it's 6 o'clock. I'm in bed. I'm 3,000 miles from home. I'm angry at first. And repeatedly, Irvin Johnson is in a suit and tie by this point. He's up. He's awake. He's probably had a swim or something crazy. And he calls your room and says, hey, I know it's, it's, it's a tough time to be 3,000 miles away from home. We're going to have a great day. Get up. Yeah. I got coffee and donuts in the lobby. Come meet me. I'm here. Let's have a great day. Let's, we're going to wish our families Merry Christmas on national TV. And he's, he's the captain. He's Irvin freaking Johnson on yeah. Christmas morning. Well, that's what you... Making you feel like you're part of something great. Who does this? I'm. I, Who's capable of doing this? It's, good it's, for him. I think about it, and it's 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 a. It's like every unreal experience. All the holidays, you work. July fourth, yeah. you yeah. work. You find a baseball yeah. well, game. One, you work. I got one that I don't. What? July fourth, I probably worked once or twice oh, for I George worked, Solomon. Worked all the time. I worked and all the, the time. Thanksgivings. Work. God, the number of stupid Redskins Cowboys games I was at. Yeah. So, no, but, but Christmas Day is you work. 13, 13 hours in studio. Yeah. All right. I'll yeah. talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, Steve Sands will join us. Steve was at the PNC. What do they call it? Parent that? Child. Parent Child. Were there girls in it? There are women, yes. Okay, good. And well, girls. Yeah. Some. Well, because sometimes it's. So I used to think that was a father-son event specifically. It was a father-son event. Well, good for them that they've opened it yes. up. Good for them. Oh, did they have any, did they have any women pros with their children? No, one of the uh, Corda sisters was playing with the dad. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you also had like Steve Stricker had his daughter who's, uh, I think, a rising high, uh, leaving high school to go play at Wisconsin. Okay, good. All right, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. He's back in the chair. He's back in the seat. He's back at the desk. He's back on the beam. He's back on the beat. He's back on the case. He's back with a bunch. Brew up some Joe, fire up the grill, what's he having for lunch? I saw this day coming, probably never. It seems like he's been gone since or forever. He's got the old whiz bang, he's got the old flair. He's back to his tricks, he's having his kicks, he's back in the chair. It's lovely, isn't it? Yes. Isn't that lovely? Steve Sands. It gets played for Steve Sands, and Steve Sands joins us. 
Um, a this, quick correction for you. PNC Championship, not parent-child. It's not parent-child. No. Okay, but it used to be father-son. It was the father-son, yes. Right, Steve? It was father-son. Now they've expanded it to, to parent-child? Yeah, it was father-son. And years ago, uh, Fuzzy Zeller's daughter played with him. Right. And Annika played with her father, and they decided to change it, rightfully so, to the PNC Championship. <laughs> I think that's nice. I was asking Michael before we we went to you when we were off the air if there were any female pros who had their children with them during the tournament. Well, Annika plays with her son, Will. Okay. And Nellie Korda plays with her father, Peter Korda, who was a, a Grand Slam champion. The Tennis player. Australian Open. Yeah. So uh, two women played yesterday. That's good. That's good. Um, did, you didn't have, not a road trip for you, right? Orlando is where you live. Home game. Yeah, so uh, you, everybody, everybody on the NBC Sports crew is staying at the Ritz Carlton, right? Which would have been really nice for Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. Uh, I was staying at home. Yeah, yeah. Booker McFarland had a Ritz Carlton shirt on the other day on Friday when we talked to him. Yeah. So all right. So I actually saw Booger at this event last year. We actually chatted. Booger's fabulous. Huge golf guy. Great guy. Totally fabulous. Um, yeah. I'm assuming. That Charlie Woods was the star, or should I just assume, no, Tony, don't be stupid. Tiger Woods is the star. Charlie Woods is Eli Manning to Peyton Manning. Yes? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm not a huge ratings person. You know, we've been doing this a long time, Tony. Uh, ratings, you know, they can come and go. There's so many different circumstances. But I would love to know the data on the people who watch that event. Are they watching because they want to see Tiger? Or are they watching because they want to see Charlie? Or are they watching because they want to see Tiger with Charlie? I'd, I'd love to know the difference, but for sure, Charlie is a massive, massive draw. I mean, a kid gets autograph requests and picture requests all because he's Tiger Woods' son. And that, that, that partly you know, comes with the territory with what it is of being in the Woods family when your father is that famous. I had two guys over the weekend at Columbia say to me, they watched this event strictly for Tiger and Charlie. And then they said, and the daughter was caddying and it made it even better. It's like they don't they don't care about anyone else in the tournament. So there's a subcategory where the PGA Tour social media always will do the Tiger track as he leaves the car. And there's a moment where Tiger just looks at his daughter and it's just the most paternal, uh, are you okay? Are you with me? And so I think there's then something where you see Tiger with his son, and, and uh, NBC did this great job where they do all the mannerisms for all the you know yeah. all the dads or, and moms out there with their kids, and to just see Tiger and Charlie over the years uh, move in sync together, whether, whether it's reading the putt, and then you get to see Charlie driving par fours with the recoil that looks like it's Tiger circa 2001. So there's something just special about watching that blend together, though you're always wondering, are we getting a glimpse of could Tiger play more than four or five times next year? What do you think, Steve? I think that the two of them together, obviously, is a massive draw. It has made the event so much better and more interesting the last few years. It's it's a wonderful event in in the context that, that Michael just put it in. When you see Tiger grinding his way through his career and all the things that have happened to him on and off the golf course over the course of the last 25 years, this past week and the last four years when he's played with his son, Charlie, and now that Sam was there as the caddy. By the way, Sam, if you're bored, go watch Sam's introduction 
uh, to when Tiger was put into the World Golf Hall of Fame, and she did the uh, induction speech. It was it was tremendous, you know. And and he's a father. And the past few days, like I said, the past few years, because of these last few days, have allowed people who have been fans of Tiger, or even fairly people who have rooted against Tiger the last 25 years, you get to look at him as a normal person, as a father, as a proud dad. Uh, not just his son Charlie playing with him, but Sam there caddying for him, as Michael alluded to. Uh, it, it's really cool to see all of these guys, and Nellie Corda and Annika Sorenstam, all of these great professionals in their other habitat of being a parent or being a child or just being around uh, the people they love the most. There was a line that was used this past weekend that was really cool. It's the game they love the most. It's the thing they love the most with the people they love the most. And that's, it's a very cool way to look at it because you just don't see people like Tiger Woods in a human element very often. You only see those people performing at the highest level and doing things that you can't do. Well, we all can be a parent if we have kids and we all can understand the love between a parent and a child. And that's, that's the beauty of last week and being able to see tiger act and look so human around his children, I think is, is an endearing thing for a lot of fans and a lot of people, like I said, who root against tiger. I think they appreciate him a little bit more after seeing what he went through uh, and what he's done the last couple of days with his children. There's so much chaos in golf. Uh, there's a yeah. deadline in a week or so as to whether or not the Saudis will invest. There's just a lot of chaos. Why don't they have more of these kinds of events? Why don't they have mixed events, more mixed events? Why don't they do this? Why, I, don't, I don't know what the ratings are because you're up against the NFL. You're going to get slammed, obviously. But why don't they do more of these events? Well, the PGA Tour calendar, the DP World Tour calendar, the Live calendar, the Asian Tour, whatever sort the Sunshine Tour, whatever tour you're playing on, they go all throughout the year. These type of events happen only this type this time of year here in the United States because the PGA Tour calendar is so jammed up, Tony. Last week in Naples, remember the Shark Shootout? It used to be the Shark Shootout. Well, last week it was changed to the Grant Thornton. Uh, yeah. Grant Thornton was a mixed event between men and women. Yeah. By the way, it rated, it rated very Liked well it. during the ratings. Yeah, um, It was a good rating. Um, it, it almost matched the Hero World Challenge the week before, and that was when Tiger played all four days. So, you know, this type, these types of events only happen, Tony, this time of year because it's the only time of year you could actually do it. And, you know, look, they're a lot of fun. They're quote-unquote silly season events. Uh, they're not real events. But they are impactful. Uh, the sponsor loves them. Uh, the fans love them. Uh, and, and they yeah. actually, I don't know how, but they actually do rate a little bit better than you would think this type of year. But you're right. Sundays in the NFL, yeah, Saturday can. afternoon, a triple header, the NFL is going to slaughter you. Yeah. Um, no Saudi Tour players were allowed in this event, right? Banned from no. the event, right? No, and by the way, you know who designed the golf course? Greg Norman? Greg Norman. It's Greg Norman's golf course. Greg Norman's resort. I mean, he played in this thing forever. No live guys uh, allowed. This is a PGA Tour sanctioned event, um, and there are no live people. Uh, Graham McDowell was spotted watching Tiger with his kid, though, in, in one of the what? sadder you know, photos. You know what, Michael? I saw Greg. Graham McDowell's like one of the coolest guys you know, you'll ever meet in sports, let alone golf. Just a great, great dude. 
I saw him yesterday on the range. The first time I had seen him in a long, long time. And we had we had sat down and kind of we stood there and just chatted for like a couple of minutes and talked about what's going on in the world of golf and his life, his kids, you know, what's happening to his family. We caught up. It was it was great to see him. I miss guys like that. I miss some of those live guys, man. It's a it's such a shame. Hopefully, uh that that gets put to rest and they all come together soon. So this is this is what I want to get to. It seems to me that down the road the solution is going to be a certain kind of liquidity that you can sign up for tournament A and tournament B and tournament C and you can float among all of these tours and then you're going to play in the majors because that's the only thing that really counts. If that's the rational sort of end game here why would you keep all these guys out out of an event like this? Well, this is a different type of thing. And by the way, you have to be a major champion to be in this event. Oh. Um, you, or a player's champion. Matt Kuchar's a player's champion. Now, Steve Stricker never won a major championship, but he won three majors on the PGA Tour champions, and they are counting the PGA Tour champions majors okay. as major winners. So you have to be a major winner or a player's champion to be in this field particularly. But I... I don't know, Tony. I don't know how it's going to play out. I think that, you know, there's a little bit of a push to maybe get some domestic money uh, involved. Uh, in the, and I'm talking about billions. I'm not talking about, you know, thousands of dollars. I'm talking about domestic money, like billions of dollars infused into the PGA Tour. And this not-for-profit part of the equation and the equity uh, that you talked about and the money that could come from all of this, I don't know if it's all going to come together and, and live is going to be either a around or B, you know, competing, you know, at the same time as the PGA tour, it'll be fascinating uh, over the course of the next 30 to 60 days, how this all plays out. How do you make money? If you invest money in the PGA tour or anything else, you invest money to make money. How do you yep. make money on the PGA tour? It's a good question. Uh, they can change their status. I forget what year it was. but Remember, I'm sure you did this on PTI, and I'm sure you've talked about this. But years ago, the NFL changed from its tax-exempt status uh, and switched to a for-profit as opposed to a not-for-profit kind of situation. I, right. I, I believe that's the case. The PGA Tour could be going that route, Tony. They could be, you know, that, that tax-exempt status is a huge deal to the PGA Tour, which currently is considered a not-for-profit. Now, there's a lot of money involved in this not-for-profit, and I think that the way that they are going to try to make money is to infuse it with, whether it's private equity or whether it's other sports owners or other people in the business world who are going to take a, a for-profit portion of the tour and do things like invest. Or let's just hypothetically say, hypothetically, it's completely hypothetical, that Pebble Beach becomes for sale. And you can own Pebble Beach. Well, if you think you can make money on Pebble Beach in a real estate situation or a golf situation or whatever the case may be, the PGA Tour isn't in a position to buy Pebble Beach right now. Well, maybe they will be if they have private equity, if they right. have all the other sports owners in there. They can kind of fraction off their business you know, and, and make it other than just putting on professional golf tournaments. I have no idea. My business acumen is very low, Tony. I'm a sportscaster. Yeah. But uh, these people are very bright. And to your point, they're not investing billions, if that is the case, if that's what happens. 
to not make money. You got to make money. There's, there's got to be a way to make money. I believe a wise man, a good friend of mine, once said, "The answer to all your questions is money." That's right. The great Don <laughs> Olmeyer said that, and he's never been proven wrong. No, I was talking about you. Well, yeah. I've said it. I've quoted Olmeyer. Um, how big a blow is Rom leaving? How big a blow is that? Or you is know, it not? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, like, I don't know if we've talked about this. Me, you, and me, and Michael on the side. I don't find any of this to be that big of a deal. Let me give you an example. The PGA Tour comes to Orlando every year. Big stop at Bay Hill. The PGA Tour every year comes to whatever city, and it's a very big deal. Well, John Rahm doesn't play in every event. He plays in the majors. That's four. He plays, and he's a great, great player, generational player. Yeah. But is he someone who you have to go to the TV set to watch if you're not at that event? Eh. I don't know. I, I, you could make an argument that he's not, even though he's a great, great player. Is he a big star? I don't know. So anyway, in Orlando, I think he's played Bay Hill once or twice. People here aren't going to miss him. People around the country who've never really seen him before in person aren't going to miss him. He plays the four majors. He plays the players. That's five. He plays the Memorial. He plays in Charlotte. He plays, say, like eight or ten events. Well, then he goes around the world and plays. I don't think any of these guys are going to be big enough to be missed, aside from Tiger. Except Tiger. I mean, yeah. Except no Tiger. offense to Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy no, and John Tiger, Colin Morikawa and Scotty Scheffler. It's Tiger, right? Yeah. The NBA moved along when Michael Jordan you know, retired, and everybody thought, oh, my gosh, what's the NBA going to do? Well, then all of a sudden, all these other great players popped up. I think John Rahm leaving, Tony, I think, and I don't begrudge him. He can do whatever he wants. It's his prerogative. If you want to take the money, go ahead. But to me, that opens up a spot for someone else to become great. Unlike football and basketball, where in college you become stars and then you get drafted and everybody knows who you are in the sports world, it's not like that in golf. In golf, the great, great amateurs, and I'm leaving Tiger out of this, but the great, great amateurs, who have amazing amateur careers, amazing collegiate careers, they don't become stars until they do something on the PGA Tour. It's different than the NFL and the NBA, where these guys are stars in NCAA basketball and college football. And to me, Rom leaving just opens up a spot for a Ludwig Ober to become a massive star or some other kid who we've never heard of right now who's a great amateur player. And I... I think the game just moves along, and I don't think one person is bigger than the sport. And I think John Rahm will you know, be missed maybe a little, but I don't think it's that big of a deal that he's not going to be playing on the PGA Tour. I just don't. In my lifetime, there were three people who were bigger than the sport, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods. Just three. Yep. Just three. Totally agree. Totally agree. Not Tom Watson, not Gary Player. No, no, don't talk to me about them. No, three guys. Right. That's exactly right. And that's important, Tony. This is not, you know, like when you watch – a football game and two starting quarterbacks around. I'm talking about the NFL. That's a big, big, big deal. The game is completely different. The first two games on Saturday, both teams had substitute quarterbacks. Four out of four. Yes, it is a big deal. Of course, that was my point. I was going to say, this past Saturday we saw that, and it's a huge deal. In golf, as big a star as, let's let's put it this way, as big a star as Jordan Spieth is, Tony, I mean, Jordan Spieth's a big star. You know, he's going to moonwalk into the Hall of Fame. He's a great player. He's American as apple pie. Everybody loves him. But he doesn't play every week. 
So it's not like you are missing him if you've never seen him. People in the California desert at the American Express Championship have never seen him play that event. That's not how it works in golf. So to me, when one guy leaves, if it's not named Tiger, yeah, I think that the tour just moves along and, and everybody just keeps moving forward. I agree. What a pleasure to talk with you. It's been a long time. Thank you, Steve. All right, John. Be good. Steve, Happy holidays, everybody. You too. Steve Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Lo, here comes Tony's mailbag. We've got your emails and notes. It's Mr. Tony's mailbag. We'll read some for all you folks. Well, maybe not your email. It's neither smart nor funny, nor is it a haiku. The Reverend Mark Schaefer and the Schaeferettes always like to hear them sing. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us, Nigel? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, kid, the next time I say, let's go someplace like Bolivia, let's go someplace like Bolivia. That's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I believe is written by William Goldman, which is one of the I think you're greatest right. movies of oh, all time. It's just it's fantastic. A brilliant movie. Yes. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Steve Sands. Thanks to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. We have some emails here. From Bill Matfield in Fort Mill, South Carolina. This week, I took the under on Carvel's Curses at 3.5 and lost. Oi. Yeah, he cursed a lot. He also had a bad week. <laughs> yeah, not Only a great won week. one or two games, and, he, and his double play, which was Washington and the Rams going over 50, they went over 40. Got yeah, close. 40, 48. But yeah. they didn't get big over Big second 50. half for him. Yeah. yeah. Brett Hobbs in Linton, Indiana. I've just finished listening to Friday's podcast featuring the great Cajun, James Carville. I think you need to get Acme as a sponsor because I've not heard that much beeping since the Roadrunner <laughs> was being chased by Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Uh, Will Green, can we get the betting odds for when Chuck Todd challenges Carville to a fight in the octagon? Whatever they are, put me down for Carville. The best bad song, and this is sent in from Peter Potke in Southington, Connecticut, which is right near Bristol. I have a piano. Oh, Tony Beeson. It is classic. the best bad song. Yes, Tony Beeson. We classic. love it. Uh, this is from. This is long. This is from the Reverend Mark Shaper. As I reflect on the holiday season and the recent conversations about the worst song ever, there's one song that lies at the intersection of the two, and I hate to say it. Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. I like that song. Oh, really? I, I do. There I are a lot of things wrong with, with this song. This. From the ridiculously simple and mind-numbingly repetitive melody to the absurd lyrics, why would the choir of children have been practicing their Christmas song all year long? To its treacly sentimentalism and lyrics that say absolutely nothing. 
Lyrics that make the chipmunk Christmas look like the Iliad in comparison. But perhaps the worst part of this song is this. It is unworthy of Paul McCartney. Paul, excuse me, Sir Paul, you're a Beatle. One of the four people who changed music forever. It is impossible to believe that the same creative genius that came up with a long and winding road. Yesterday, the lyric, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And the bass line to something somehow produced. The party's on, the spirit's up, we're here tonight, and that's enough. Come on, man. I mean, John Lennon tried to write an anti-Christmas song and wrote a better Christmas song than this. Ringo could write a song right now called An Octopus's Christmas. Just subbing in the word Christmas for garden and be better than this. I think that's the hardest part. If the song had been written by Ryan Seacrest, it'd be a middling, mildly irritating Christmas regular. But the fact that it was written by one of the most influential musicians of all time makes it kind of a sacrilege. That's interesting. From Tom Whittington in Mount Rainier in Maryland. Or is it pronounced Mount Rainier in Maryland? I don't know. I'm assuming Rainier, but I don't know. could be wrong it's on that. It's Mount Rainier in Washington State. Yeah. Being of a certain age, but it's Houston and it's Houston. You that, know. that is very true. Being of a certain yes. age, I waited with bated breath for that segment of the show where you recite the lyrics to a classic pop song. You can imagine my delight when the birds wasn't born to follow was your choice the other day. Not my choice, Nigel's choice. <laughs> I was transported through a smoky haze to that golden time of paisley shirts and bell-bottom jeans. To Fill You In wasn't born to follow appeared on the Notorious Bird Brothers album, okay, in 1968. Midway through the recording session, David Crosby was fired from the group. If you scan the cover of the LP, you can see where his picture has been replaced with one of a horse. <laughs> in commercial eclipse, and now down as a songwriter, the group turned to veteran songsmiths Jerry Goffin and Carole King for the additional material. They provided Going Back. Going Back is a beautiful, beautiful song. Yes. And the aforementioned wasn't born to follow. This tune would achieve far greater exposure the following year in the counterculture classic Easy Rider, where it serves as a soundtrack to a memorable travelogue sequence. Have a happy sunshine day. That's a lovely and smart email from Tom Whittington. Thank you. From PJ Donnelly in Springfield, Virginia. If in fact you get your wish and there are patlocks on the doors of the Verizon Center and George Mason has home games on the same evening, might I suggest moving the remaining Wizards home games to Spooky Nook? Yeah, and Wilbon can go. <laughs> yeah, that would work. And go to all of them. Um, this just says, from DG, I've been coming to Florida for 60 years and I haven't seen rain and wind like this the last four days of my lifetime. Haven't played since Tuesday. I'm getting a little antsy. Thankfully, PG likes to cook. Been here seven weeks, been out to dinner seven times. Tough getting old. Regards, PG. Um, saw Nigel at the zoo today. This is from Phil Dolinger. Says, I'm sorry. I meant Reginald. Okay. Oh, it's a picture. Oh, there's a picture. Of, oh, it's of Reginald in his Santa in suit. Santa Isn't that yeah. lovely? Uh, Steve the Sycophant. Friday night, I channeled surf into the NCAA Division Three Championship game and found one of the teams was SUNY Cortland. Yep, having never heard of this school. It's right near Syracuse, actually, SUNY Cortland. It, I think it's on right near Syracuse. I looked up the SUNY home site on the internet, and to my surprise, the first item to pop up was an announcement that SUNY Binghamton had just received $114 million for next-gen battery research. So what generation batteries did you use when we were in Binghamton? Batteries hadn't been invented, Steve, when I was there. Do you know what batteries are in use now? Double A's, probably. And most importantly, what's the relationship between SUNY Binghamton Battery Research and SUNY Cortland football? Well, they have a team and we don't. Um, I believe that one of the professors at Binghamton won a Nobel Prize. Oh, wow. For one of those batteries, lithium batteries or something like that. Look this up. I think he did. I think he did. From John Lanza in Mamaroneck, New York. I just bought a Subaru for the sole purpose of emailing this show about it. Don't tell my wife. She thinks it's because I love our family. That's funny. <laughs> From Dennis McCann in Bayfield, Wisconsin. The statue of the Fonz you mentioned the other day is actually in Milwaukee, not Chicago, on the downtown Riverwalk. 
It's been there for 10 years as a tribute to the program Happy Days, which, like Laverne and Shirley, was set in Milwaukee. Henry Winkler recently visited the statue to pay his respects to, well, himself, I guess, Fonz you and happy holidays. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hey, Dad. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad, Dad honey. Dad, Dad, honey. Dad, honey. Listen up. Mike D'Antoni's minutes made Kobe's Achilles raw. Kenny Norton broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. At Lowry's Steakhouse, Big Ten teams always eat too much beef. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. The Phillies in 64 tired out their pitching staff. Obama's jokes at Trump's expense got too much of a laugh. Overconfidence brought down Ryan Leaf. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey flew around, he got jet lagged and wired. Taylor Swift simply made him tired. The Cubs were jinxed in 69, a black hat on the field. Dizzy Dean came back too soon, his toe not fully healed. Georgetown to Villanova too lightly, that's my belief. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. He's back in the chair, he's back in the seat He's back at the desk, he's back on the beam, he's back on the beat He's back on the case, he's back with a bunch Brew up some Joe, fire up the grill, what's he having for lunch? I saw this day coming, probably never it seems like he's been gone since or forever. He's got the old whiz-bang. He's got the old flair. He's back to his tricks. He's having his kicks. He's back in the chair.